Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello, welcome back. I'm Neil Selwyn and this is Meet the Education Researcher. Today we're talking about the history of education with Professor Johannes Westberg from the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. Johannes is gaining quite a reputation as one of Europe's leading historians of education and he uses history in his work to shine a light on a range of educational issues, from the emergence of school vouchers to the changing nature of school architecture. One of the main reasons I wanted to catch up with Johannes today was to go through the arguments that he develops in a recent paper. What can we learn from studying the past, the wonderful usefulness of history in educational research? In this paper, Johannes sets out a number of benefits that he reckons all education researchers can gain from thinking historically about their own work. These benefits range from the ability to more critically engage with sources of evidence through to using history to provide vital explanations and comparisons for seemingly new phenomena. In short, I was interested in hearing from Johannes about what he thinks history can do for all of us, regardless of what educational research niche we might occupy. So to start off, I was interested why Johannes was personally drawn to this area. Given the many different approaches to education research that he might have chosen as a career path, why was it that he ended up choosing history? I must admit, I, I'm very fascinated with all kinds of different, different worlds and uh, all kinds of different life. So that kind of leads me into history because then you can explore how things have not always been uh, the same and kind of how and why our lives, our institutions, our cultures change is really fascinating to me. And history is so vast, there are so many questions that you can deal with, so it kind of, history never ends. Uh, you can continue to try to explain things like in the 1970s, 1990s, but you can also go back to study more kind of general shifts. So I think that's also one of the things that attracts me to continue is that there are so many things to study. I mean, education researchers are curious and we're all trying to explain things like change and, and how things... So why do you think... I, I get the impression that the history of education is something of a niche interest amongst educa mainstream education researchers. It's underappreciated, despite all the qualities that you just outlined. Do you think that's a fair observation? And if so, why do you think that is? Why do people not gravitate towards the history of education like you have? I think history of education has kind of a very ambivalent position because in one way there are these kind of new handbooks in history of education published by Oxford and by Springer. And many of the major, for example, European universities has full professors in history of education. You can see that in England, in France, in Germany, in the Nordic countries and so forth. So in that sense, it's, it's not kind of marginalized because we also have these major uh, journals, history of education, pedagogic historica, history of education quarterly and so forth. But on the other hand, I, I agree. Uh, it has some kind of position where it's not really perhaps that highlighted. It's not that uh, well funded by uh, national uh, foundations uh, and so forth. And why is that? I I'm not sure. But I, of course, think that some, especially those so-called 
empirical educational sciences, then they have been very kind of successful in making this argument that they can promote the quality of education in schools and so forth. Yeah, I get the impression that a lot of education researchers are ex-teachers and teaching is a very in-the-moment profession. You're trying to deal with things that are happening now. And so the what works and why agenda, as you say, the kind of the, the empirical promise, I think maybe marginalizes other disciplines like history and sociology and philosophy, which are actually really, really important. Yeah, and I think in that respect, history of education shares the kind of the same position as historical approaches uh, in studies of art, in, in sociology, in economics, uh, and so forth. And in many of those there has been discussion about a historical turn that has implied kind of an increasing interest in historical issues, for example, in economics. Uh, so, so I think there are nevertheless important opportunities there. Yeah, and you're here to change all this. I mean, uh, your, your paper is <laughs> a wonderful persuasive case that you know, all education researchers can benefit from paying more attention to and having a historical turn, as you say. And I just wanted to go through a few of the points that you make. And first of all, is this idea about the unique methodological expertise of historians of education. So I'm really interested about your thoughts about what general education researchers can learn from historians about methods, and particularly this idea of what you call source criticism, deciding what sources of evidence to engage with. I mean, can you, can you describe this for the, for the non-historian? Yeah, and, and I, just linking back to what we just said, I, I think kind of that unique competence of historians of education is kind of both a strength and a weakness because I think this ability to work with archive materials and various kinds of source materials in the past is also kind of one of the challenges with kind of approaching history of education research because it's so different from methods including observations, interviews uh, and various kinds of quasi-experimental studies. But I think what historians of education for sure can add, I think it's competence in what has been termed historical thinking, an ability to use certain historical documents and those that, that which you can find in, in archives. Uh, it's in competence in contextualization, being able to read these documents with certain kind of awareness of the social, cultural, political context. And also a way of kind of working with the sources, comparing sources, discussing sources, what is often termed source uh, criticism. And you were quite uh, modest there by saying, you know, well, we don't know much about other methods. But historians do actually make a, a vital kind of use of, of interviewing and oral history and kind of life histories. And I'm really interested again about, I mean, a lot of listeners will be kind of general interview methods, you know, in the course of their research. Yeah. But what specific things can historians teach us about interviewing? I mean, what makes for a good oral history interview? I'm not sure that historians of education are the best uh, interviewers, but I think what historians of education with this expertise in using, kind of investigating uh, the past, using various kinds of written source materials, is for sure that historians can add... Uh, an expertise in analyzing the context. Because when you deal with contemporary education research, you are already, you, you know so much about the existing uh, education system just by living in it and having awareness of it. So you're not so used with kind of analyzing a context and studying a context and more kind of consciously be aware of how the context affects the results. So I think that contextualization is something that 
and we for sure can add to education research in general, but also to uh, methods of, of interviews. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a big challenge for most educational researchers is to make the familiar strange and kind of get a sense of... And you've said actually that historians do have a sense of detachment and what you've written about is the benefits of psychological distance. And I'm really interested about how that works from a historical point of view. What can historical insights bring to kind of emotive political current issues? I mean, your own work, for example, on the introduction of school vouchers in Sweden. How as a historian were you able to kind of, as you say, have that distance from what is actually a very emotive topic in Sweden. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the issue of, uh, not only of course in Sweden, but issues of marketization, privatization, and introduction of various kinds of school vouchers, and in, in the Swedish case also later preschool vouchers, is for sure kind of a very em emotive, almost like experience, uh, not the least in, in political sense. And I think uh, kind of what historians can bring there is for sure an understanding of, of, I think the detachment comes partly from understanding of temporality and, and the time dimension, that you always see things in terms of historical uh, sequences and processes, where kind of each step in that process is, is dependent on a kind of broader context and complex of actions, trends, events, and so forth. And I, I think by adding that kind of time dimension to the analysis, you also create a certain kind of psychological distance to what you study, because you don't study just one event, something happens right now or happened just 10 years ago, but you, you always study that within the context of a broader timeline. You're not looking for a kind of quick explanation. And I think, as I was hinting at before, this idea that we need to explain what's happening now um, in the moment. I mean, that's, that's a really interesting way that... Um, general education research can perhaps learn from history. And the other thing you've mentioned as well a few times is this idea of context. And I'm really interested in terms of this idea of, you write that history provides a set of reference points to kind of guide our understanding. And, and a, this idea of comparisons as well. So you're never going to find a kind of historical example that exactly explains what's happening now, but it gives you a, a, what you call a necessary background. Now, I was just wondering in terms of the, you know, the last two years, you know, this COVID um, turn that we've all been experiencing what useful historical comparisons there might prove useful to explaining the kind of covid education so i think covid as as many other things historical perspectives I, I, for sure are very useful because i think many things when we talk about education we, we always use implicitly some kind of historical perspective because we say something are new some things are old something are innovative uh, and so forth and some things can create a shift or anything and then historic perspectives create this kind of comparisons that you talk about that we're able to compare the situation we have now with kind of 10-15 years uh, back and I think in terms of COVID there is still so much uh, research to be done but I think comparisons with how schools dealt with deadly diseases in the past are for sure kind of uh, interesting. For example, the Spanish flu and how it was dealt with using, for example, outdoor schooling. And I think it also might be interesting to compare 19th century setting where teachers uh, and educationalists was very aware of the fact that people died from diseases. And it's interesting to compare our approach today to the approach of the 19th century educationalists for example. Yeah I mean certainly everyone has been looking back to the kind of 1919 worldwide flu for any kind of sense of what to do. It was quite interesting how history suddenly became 
very, <laughs> very, very popular. And I also like this idea of history. You talk about history as a corrective, challenging dominant accounts of what happened and problematizing received wisdoms. And you, you wrote a really lovely sentence. Historians remind us of what we might prefer to forget. So I was just wondering, in your opinion, what are the most important things that you can remind us of um, in terms of uh, making sense of education? So I, I think that kind of uh, demythologizing de function of history of education is one of the things that I enjoy the most because we, for sure, both as kind of individuals, but also on a more kind of political or public level debate, uh, we create myths about the past. And here I think there are many myths that are interesting to study. It's of course, uh, in various countries, this kind of myth of the teacher status being lost, uh, those kind of golden age myths, I think is really important, both in order to understand the the position of teachers today, but also how we got there. If we, we just maintain this, this kind of sense of, of a lost status, we have really difficult understanding the, the constant challenges that teachers have faced, faced throughout history, uh, fighting uh, for their status. So I think that's kind of one example of that. And another interesting one is this idea of you know the industrial era school or the factory era school being outmoded for you know 21st century. You hear that all the time, particularly from politicians and industrialists that are arguing to you know disrupt schooling. That must really annoy you as a historian. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's also how kind of history of education can provide uh, and counteract some of the kind of ideas in public uh, debate, because you can also historicize these uh, kind of critical points that are made about schooling. And one of those are for sure kind of this idea that schooling is in crisis. Uh, and you can find that throughout the entire 20th century. Uh, it's not just today that we feel that uh, the academic quality is kind of declining, that children aren't performing as well, that children aren't reading enough and so forth. You can find this uh, across at least the entire post-war uh, period. And I think that's really important. And that's a re really important kind of part of research that historians of education can provide uh, educational debate also. Because if we are aware of the fact that we have been perceiving education to be in decline for the last like 70 years, uh, what does that say about our current debate about school? No, absolutely. Uh, it also makes me think about the histories of education that have not yet been told. I mean, I'm aware of the kind of feminist history of education tradition, but are there other histories that perhaps need to be kind of nurtured within within schools of education? Um, we're talking very much about kind of Anglo-Saxon approaches, but um, are there kind of African histories of education, Islamic histories of education, queer histories of education? I mean, where, where could history of education be going in telling these these other stories? Yeah, I, I think all, all the topics that you mention are, are important and there are so much to do because... Nevertheless, uh, history of education, as much uh, research, is of course severely underfunded. So there are uh, so many areas to continue with. But talking about this, I think, for example, the role of religion in education uh, during the 20th century, uh, where we have these narratives of secularization, while we still, still kind of live in some kind of era of religion that still affects education in both explicit and implicit ways. So I think 
education and religion, there's so, still so much to do there. Well, uh, just before we finish, as a non-historian of education, I was wondering if you had any kind of recommendations for further reading. What historians of education would you really recommend we, we grapple with? And what can we learn from these people's work? I was first of all thinking about big names in the field, classic writers. I mean, you mentioned Larry Cuban, who I guess lots of people have heard of. Who else apart from Cuban should we be looking toward? But I think kind of anyone interested in in the, the mechanism of educational policy, uh, I think the works of David, David Tayek, Larry Cuban and David Lavery, uh, it is so kind of fundamental to the field. So I can really uh, recommend and I think uh, Tinkering Towards Utopia, that book by Tayek and Cuban, a great introduction to historical uh, perspectives for sure. And are there any new stars or emerging people who you'd recommend? Your know, early career researchers? Of course, there are there are too many to mention. And but I think, and this of course not kind of really that early in their career. But there are two Danish uh, professors uh, dealing with education pos- uh, policy and history of education that I think some may, might have heard of, but uh, for sure should read uh, more into. I think uh, Christian Edison at Aalborg University dealing with global governance and OECD is really important because for sure that transnational level affects not least the debate on education today. So reading in on historical perspectives on the OECD uh, and UNESCO and so forth is really important. I also uh, really enjoy the work of Mette Buchart uh, also at Aalborg University in Denmark because she really tries to address this issue of religion which I think really remains fundamental for our understanding of education. Well, it's fascinating that you mentioned OECD, because my final question was going to be, I'm seeing a lot of attention currently being paid to education futures. I mean, OECD are obsessed with education futures. UNESCO have recently concluded a large-scale futures of education initiative. Do you think this focus on futures and this futures turn draws attention away from historical approaches? Or is it actually an opportunity for historians of education to kind of come on in? Yeah, I think for sure it is kind of an opportunity for historians uh, of education because also futures have a past and a history, this kind of construction of futures. And it kind of almost like creates an opportunity to study temporalities and how we understand time as kind of declining or accelerating and so forth. Uh, So I think the UNESCO's project with uh, futures of education is for sure something that kind of almost like demands historical perspectives. Two sides of the same coin, I think, is the the English (laughs) phrase. Well, I mean, thanks ever so much for taking the time, Johannes, to go through the paper. It's fascinating to read. It's been great to talk to you about your work. And thanks ever so much. Thank you.